name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. There's a Benedictine monastery up in Elmira, New York, and it's a pretty place uh, with a wonderful chapel and a great spirit of worship and uh, an amazing sense of prayer in this gorgeous pastoral setting, and they raise sheep. (laughs) It's a place I keep thinking about with our two-year-old dog, that has some sort of shepherd in her. Whether it's Border Collie or Australian Shepherd, we're not sure. But I'd love to rent a car at some point and take her up there and let her loose and see what happens with all the sheep. Something tells me she would have them all lined up and behaving within about five minutes. I think of those monks who raise sheep on this Sunday, this Sunday that is traditionally nicknamed Good Shepherd Sunday, the fourth Sunday in Easter. Um, Each year is a Sunday that the church lifts up these scripture readings that point to Christ the Good Shepherd, God as the Shepherd of Israel. In our first reading, we heard from the Acts of the Apostles about the diet of those early sheep, if we can call the followers of Jesus sheep. They fed on a steady stream of teaching and fellowship and prayer, the ritual breaking of bread as they recalled how Christ broke bread among his disciples. They went to temple, they shared their food with one another. Those who came their way, they earned goodwill among them all. So there's no wonder that the Lord God added to their number and continued adding to those who were being saved. The second reading also echoes some of these themes as it equates the life lived before Christ as, as being one of walking with the shepherd. The, one, the life lived before Christ has come is a kind of going astray like sheep. We don't have to look far in our world to see what going astray looks like. People following anything in any way, jumping off a cliff and not even knowing it sometimes. The writer says we were like that before we had faith. We were busy darting this way and that, going toward anything that looked like food or fun, losing our way, not really caring, not even noticing when sometimes we were lost. But now, Peter says, now we return to the shepherd. We have returned. We've, we've come home to a place that is ever forgiving, ever renewing, a place that is filled with love. We've come back to the shepherd, the guardian of our souls, he says. It is Good Shepherd Sunday. But if we looked or listened carefully to the gospel today, that part that identifies Jesus as the good shepherd doesn't appear. It appears later in chapter 10 when Jesus actually says explicitly, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But in the section that we heard today, Jesus talks more about how one reaches the shepherd 
how one moves into the sheepfold, how, how one approaches this place of welcome and refuge, this place of safety and care. And Jesus says the way to reach this is through a gate. Christ speaks of himself in today's gospel as gate. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate, he says. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. And so the gate is the way. It's the opening. If you think about it, it involves a choice of some kind. One can either go through it and see where it leads, or one can try to get information about it and figure out what it opens to. Or one can simply stand back and decide not even to enter. Standing back, one might feel afraid or unworthy, like the invitation hasn't yet come. If we think of faith as a gate, we can regard it or navigate it in a number of ways, can't we? Sometimes we can see what looks like a gate ahead, but it's so overgrown with things that it won't really open to us. And so such a gate needs to be cleaned off in order to make it work. Maybe the vines and the weeds need to be gotten rid of. Maybe the hinges are shot. The latch is tricky. And so to enter the gate of Christ, sometimes we need to allow our image of Christ to be cleaned up a little bit. Sometimes we approach the gate who is Christ with Ideas or images that have been overgrown with things we grew up with, with bad theologies or maybe the the wounds of personal experience. All sorts of things can contribute together to obscure Christ before us as he wants to be for us, as he wants to open to us, as he wants to be this gate to heaven, this gate to God. Other times we might sense Something like a gate ahead, but we instead go our own way. We go our own direction. Those of us in the Bible study this morning began to study Jonah. Jonah is a prime example of someone who has a sense of where God wants him to go, and he goes exactly the opposite direction. Or we might try to do it our own way, to cut through all the brush alone, or or scale the wall, or, or get around the gate in some other method. While I have tremendous respect and admiration for other religions and all kinds of paths of the Spirit, there is a unique opening that Christ provides If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be here. God in human form is not in the heart of Judaism or Islam or Buddhism. Those and other ways can be roadmaps, but as Jesus says in today's gospel, there's something rare and individual about seeking God through Jesus Christ, through the Word made flesh, through incarnation. The gate that is Christ is not wide open. It's not a thoroughfare. It can sometimes be narrow. As he says when he tells the disciples in Matthew, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction and there are many who take it. But the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it.
in baptism. We begin to open that gate that is Christ. We open it together and we help the baby or the child or the adult step through. And that movement of repentance and falling into the arms of God begins to move us through the gate of Christ. That movement sets a pattern that continues for the rest of our life. We might recall that pattern in remembering our baptism. We recall that flow and that movement, and we let God pull us through again and again into healing, into life. Sometimes in the journey of faith, we can get confused that somehow we are the gate through which ourselves and others find salvation. That it's our work to do, ours to build the church, ours to accomplish justice, ours to create love somehow. And while truly we are the body of Christ in our world, we are his arms and his legs and his mouth and his heart. It's only through the love of God that the power of God accomplishes things. And so we remember again and again that Christ is the gate, not we ourselves. And we should not lose heart when this gate that is Christ can seem too difficult to navigate. Sometimes it can feel too heavy to budge, too complicated to work, or too much of a different time or different era. But if we walk up closer, if we team up with others and accept their help, the gate that is Christ begins to open. We, we do this through prayer. We do this through learning. We do this through, through mission, through studying. We do it through working and serving with others. Some gates can appear too challenging to navigate. But with the grace of God, when we walk up together, we can step through and we find it to be easy. Some of you have visited Jerusalem, and you know the layout of that great city, and especially the old city, it being a city of gates. There are 11 gates in all, and today seven of those great gates and entrances are open. You can walk in and out of them. One of the most famous throughout history is the so-called Golden Gate, sometimes in scriptures referred to as the Beautiful Gate. This gate is in the eastern wall of the Temple Mount. It's just across from the Kidron Valley, the Mount of Olives. Tradition says that after Jesus visited Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Bethany, he used this golden gate. It was this gate through which Jesus might have entered the city on Palm Sunday and the one through which he probably left the city to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was this golden gate that Jesus passed through 40 days after the resurrection and near the site from which he left this earth in the vision of the ascension. Way back in the book of Zechariah, the prophet tells us that the Messiah will come through the Mount of Olives, through the Golden Gate. And it was with that threat, that threat to any political structure or government that tried to put a stop to such hopes that Suleiman the Magnificent in the 16th century sealed up the Golden Gate. And so it remains sealed today. 
I offer this image of the sealed up golden gate of Jerusalem as a powerful symbol of what our faith should not be. It's a negative example. Faith is not shut up and sealed up in a tomb. We don't gather in a museum as beautiful and historic as this building may be. We don't muse over archaeology and find our meaning there and there alone. We don't live in hope for a Messiah or even in the hope of the stories of Jesus that they may be true. Instead, we're, in, we're called to engage a living Christ right here, right now, and to move with him through a living gate that changes, that opens in different ways, that that calls and compels each new day of faith. In this season of Easter, this Good Shepherd Sunday, may Christ the risen continue to make himself known to us, to open himself to us, and to lead us into new faithfulness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.